Welcome to Two Sides to the Story with Ted and Lori. I'm Lori Hirstetter. And I'm Ted Zaleski. So we're coming to you the day after the John Stamos event. So if my voice is a little scratchy tonight, it might just be because I was a little excited at that event. So those of you who may not know, um, Carroll County Public Library and A Likely Story were able to get John Stamos to come to town for his new book. And it was about 800 people at the Winters Mill High School for this event last evening. And I could probably do a full episode on it, and we might just do that. But for now, I would just like to make a comment. We talk about the library often. Uh, We've mentioned a likely story multiple times. But if I wasn't already a fan, I am now a huge fan. Not of John Stamos, but I am a fan of his, but of the staff. This group put on an incredible event for a huge amount of people. And you can just imagine the energy in the room of 800 women excited to see this man. And it was well-coordinated, well-put-together. The staff was happy to help. They went above and beyond to make everybody have a good time. Um, I happened to take two of my girlfriends for their birthdays, and I can't imagine a better gift. At a very reasonable price, they were able to get a signed book, entertainment of watching John Stamos and uh, the host, which was Jennifer Capriati with uh, WBAL, um, and then the surprise of a photo op with John Stamos for 800 people. It was really exceptional. And I just want to say to Carroll County Public Library and a likely story how lucky we are uh, to have that in our community, depending where you're listening from. Um, I only hope that you have something as good as us. And I imagine you don't because they are the best. So anyway, um, I wanted to set that up because one of the Carroll County Public Library staff members is with us as a special guest tonight. Ted, you want to say a little bit more about our guest? So we're we're done with John Stamos? No, (laughs) but. (laughs) Okay, yes. So um, we do have a special guest with us today in the two sides to the story family. Uh, This is our closest person. Yes. Lisa Picker works for Carroll County Public Library. You are the Communications and Outreach Manager? No. Director Director of Communications. Director of Communications. Okay. Um, And a lot of stuff happens in Carroll County with books and writers. And Lisa makes a lot of that stuff happen. But she's had a special role Mm. in Two Sides to the Story. Uh, Lisa and I had a number of lunches over months where we talked about this podcast before it became this podcast. And I'm pretty sure there was probably some time in there where she was saying, Oh my gosh, is this ever going to be something? (laughs) Are you just going to talk about it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, This has come up before, but you know, a piece of what we do, we call good book hunting. That was, a creation of Lisa's. Uh, it almost was the name of the podcast. Uh, we ended up going a, a different direction, but it's very, very important part of, of what we do. 
And I'd have to think about this now, but how many events have we been part of somehow mm. that Lisa was making happen, bringing us in, making it all, all work. So she's been um, a, a, a big part of this first year of Two Sides of the Story. So, hi, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. Well, you both are very generous in your praise. Uh, we really appreciate your support and everything that Two Sides to the Story podcast is doing uh, to support literacy efforts in our community. Yeah, so beyond just this role that she's had in us becoming a podcast and whatever success we've had as a podcast, uh, Lori and I took a good book hunting trip with Lisa. And uh, it's a little bit un unusual. We're doing this a good bit after this yes. happened. We usually try and make the episodes happen more, more quickly, but just things got in the way and hasn't worked out. But um, there was one bookstore that Lisa suggested that we go to. Long ago. And this is in Baltimore. Uh, but we, we went to this store and two other stores. We put together a little package of places to visit. Planned a whole trip around it. But I think back to when it originally came up, I want to say it was early into the first year that you sent us a, a link to an article. And it was for this bookstore. And we've been talking for months and months about how to get there together and finally made it happen. But even prior to that trip, the two of you went to the National Book Festival yes. together. So I know we're doing this sort of in reverse as far as it's been months since these things happened. But maybe it makes sense for us to start with the one that happened first, yep, which I, was the National Book Festival. I just blew right past that. <laughs> okay. So this was August, and uh, the National Book Festival is in D.C. each year. It's been going on for a long, long time. A lot of people know about it. A lot of people have attended. And this was not your first time, Ted, right? You have been before? Once before. But you've been many times. Is that right or not right? I've been about a half dozen times. Okay. The Library of Congress hosts this National Book Festival. The venue has changed over the years. It used to be on the National Mall, and now it's inside the Convention Center, which, of course, makes it better if there's any weather. Yes. Uh, yeah, but it's a wonderful time every year. And this is been to a number of book festivals now. This is big. It's not like most of the book festivals you, you run into. Um, authors, a lot of big name authors, a lot of people attending, a lot of events, a lot of book signings. We have book signings with lines of people that, I don't know, are 100 yards long, 200 yards long. A lot of people you know, waiting, waiting to get through. Yeah, and the very interesting thing about it is they have it modeled so that there's the presentation, the author talk, the author interview, and then right after that, the author goes down into the, uh, the book signing area. Mm. A lot of people, a lot of the fans, they kind of hedge, you know, they either go to the talk or they go to the book signing, uh. right? So that's a little different for us because of our events being you get the talk and you get the book signing. Mm -hmm. But because of the 
uh, amount of people who go, and a lot of people go just to have books signed, um, they do it this way. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of choices like that. And I remember at one point, there was something going on on the second floor, but the escalator to get to the second floor was closed unless you said, I'm going to this thing. I mean, it's that kind of traffic control. And the book signings, you know, if you picture a series of toll booths on a major highway, it's kind of kind of what it looks like. You know, you know they, they've got these lanes set up. It's kind of um, like TSA. Yes, wow. yeah, right. You know, so you have to figure out what lane your author is in, then you get in line, and there are people along the line with signs saying, you know, 30 minutes from this point kind of kind of thing. Crowd control measures. Yes. So I've not been, and I plan to attend at some point in the future. So I'm thinking for our listeners who haven't been to one, they're hearing a little bit about what it's like from you. And obviously it'll be on next year and there'll be opportunity for folks that are hearing this now to decide whether they want to attend. So I'm wondering if the two of you can give some, some tips. If you're thinking about going next year, what things should they plan ahead for? And I'll start with one, which is just on the, you know, on the outside view for me, is I'm not a big uh, city driver person. That's, that's uncomfortable for me. So our, one of our local bookstores, uh, Rudolph Girls, offered a bus trip charter to the book festival. Now, I have no idea whether they would offer that next year or not, but that would be my tip from someone who hasn't gone but is thinking about it, but that makes it more appealing, that if you're not someone who's comfortable to get there, maybe look at some opportunities to go as a group um, that makes that a little bit more comfortable to, to tackle. So what about you guys? Having been there, tell us about thoughts on tips of how to have a successful day. Yeah, their bus trip was excellent, and, and uh, they did really well with that, so we're really happy about that. Uh, use the metro mm-hmm. as an easy option to get downtown, too, um, and the metro station's right there at the convention center, so that makes it really easy for Perfect. folks. Um, as far as tips for the overall day, my advice would be don't get set in stone with a schedule. Mm-hmm. You need to be flexible. Um, you need to be willing to leave one room to go to another if, you know, it's not really what you expected. Uh, you you kind of have to, to bop around a little bit. Wear roller skates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a lot of things are a distance away from each other because mm-hmm. it is the convention center. So you need to plan that time in. Mm-hmm. Uh, allow yourself some time that you're not going minute by minute. That makes sense. Yeah, I think what Lisa was saying earlier... You, know, you have to make some choices too. If, if, if book signing is something you want, then you're going to have to give up attending some book talks because mm-hmm. you won't be able to make them them all happen. Uh, and it's not just the distance oh, that that's a challenge, but the time you need to spend in line to get the book signed means you're not going to be somewhere else. Right. And one of the fortunate things is that Library of Congress records all of the talks. Oh. That's awesome. So you, so you can, can always see them later. Mm-hmm. If you see something in person, um, it is very meaningful, of course. But then you can also share it at home with friends and family. And then there are two other things happening beyond the book talks. 
there is an area set up with a booth for every state in the country. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing different things, but somehow saying, hey, we have books in Missouri. And uh, you can spend some time you know, walking around all those and seeing, seeing what's going on. And then they have a book sale section set up, basically nice. a pop-up store for, for all the books that are going to show up at the festival. And it's, it's substantial and busy. So if you're someone who decides to go the bus route, obviously you're tied to the time frame of the transportation provided. If they're going on their own, how many hours should they at least at a minimum expect to spend? I think that's up to the individual because you have a different capacity. A lot of times, like if, if you're listening nonfiction, you know, some of those might have weightier uh, themes to them where you might not want to be there all day. It, it just happens. Um, it's based on, you know, what what you would like to get out of the experience. You know, if you want to be there from dawn to dusk, you can do that. Mm -hmm. If you just want to go down for a few hours, that works as well. So it's all about what you want to see, what interests you as a reader, how long you want to be there, what your schedule is, and what's your, uh, what is your limit for it? Right, sure. It is higher capacity. Lisa and I drove down together, Mm -hmm. and we did not stay until the end of it. It was not dawn to dusk. Right. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the way. Somewhere in between. Okay. That, that's enough for today. But the programming literally runs the entire day, so you could stay that long if you wanted. And we did. We were also there with, um, we met there, uh, Lynn Wheeler, the oh, former yes. director of the library, mm-hmm. and her husband, Jerry. Mm-hmm. And went out to, to lunch at some point. Do you remember the name of the restaurant? I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was Jose Andres Greek Restaurant, which was within walking distance. And we had a lovely lunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in the show notes, I'll figure out what the name, what the the name was and, and include that. And put yeah. it in there. But yeah, we ordered a bunch of little stuff that we you know, all ended up sharing, yeah, sharing. trying a bunch of bunch of things. That's a fun way to go. It's very fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any, anything else you would want to say about the National I, I will say the highlight for me was getting to see David Graham. I thought his talk was excellent. If you have a chance, go ahead and Google it. Library of Congress, David Grant. It'll come up for you. It was a fantastic interview. Um, I'm not usually a nonfiction reader, but he currently had, at the time, he had two books on the the bestseller list that were nonfiction. Wow. And the yeah. one, I forget the name now, but it was about, <clears throat> about a, a sailing ship. The Wager. Wager, right. Um Selling a lot of books and another story, you know, uh, talked about me visiting the Greyhound in Berlin. Yes. And when I walked in there, the the owner, a woman, assumed, oh, here's a guy. He's here for the wager, (laughs) which I wasn't. Interesting. (laughs) You were typecast. Yes, you were. It's right over there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So from D.C. to Baltimore. To Baltimore. Yes. So Red Emma's was the book, the store that you suggested to us. And Red Emma's, you know, if you think red like, oh, you mean communist and socialist things? You're on target. This is a, a, a store with very strong political ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, a collective. Yes. Uh, we visited, went around the store. 
they had a table of things on sale, and I bought. You did buy a book. Thomas um, Paine, uh, some of his writings from back in the beginnings of our our, our country. Mm -hmm. But um, any uh, any things either of you remember from Red Emma's? Yes, I was going to kind of back up a little bit. The first time it was on our radar was Lisa recommending it. She had seen this article and said, this looks like a great place to go. And we replied and said, sure does. We'll make sure you go with us, which at least we stuck to that. It just took us longer to get there than we thought. The second time it ended up on our radar was because they had a very interesting social media thing happen where there's a safe in their store up on the second floor. And it was there when they took over the space. And I don't remember the details of what the store was before that they had a safe, but safe to say they had a safe and it was large and very heavy and they decided they couldn't move it. So they just built the store, the bookstore around it. So it's just sort of sitting there, not in the middle of the room, but you know, there are bookshelves around either side of it. And I guess someone got curious about what's in the safe and they couldn't open it. So they put out a call to social media and it just took off of come take a chance at opening the safe. And they had some rules about guidelines. You couldn't like, you know, come in and blow it open. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be within boundaries. There are books that don't want to get harmed in the, you know, this, this exercise. But they had a lot of interest. I think the local news channel actually decided to um, give them some coverage. And then the, you know, social media does what social media does. They had a large amount of interest. So I don't remember how long it took, but it might have been over the course of months. And one of the gentlemen that works there, and again, it's a cooperative, so he's a partial owner in the store, was sort of the face of it. So he would do these regular posts of people coming in, trying to get it open. Well, eventually somebody gets it open. That's what put it on my radar. And I don't know that I was thinking, we're going to get there and we're going to be the ones to open it. But it had me interested in seeing it and thinking about them some more. So by the time we scheduled our visit, it had already been opened. So we got to see what was inside. I won't ruin the spoiler. Go to the store, visit Red Emma's, find out for yourself. But it was cool to have that be a second element to the It was the a copy of appeal. the wager. <laughs> He's lying. <laughs> so I bought a book. I'm not going to say what um, because it was a gift for someone who I have not given it to yet. So I'll just leave it as I found a great book for someone that uh, is hard to shop for. So I'm, I'm thrilled about what, what I got there. I remember when we, when we went in, the guy who was kind of manning the store at the time, yes. you, I don't remember the exact words, but you said, you're the guy in the videos, aren't you? Yes, yes. I think his name was Atticus, if I remember right. He had a really cool name. and I, I think that's it. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Um, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. But uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was happy to hear and not surprised because I think he had been answering that question quite a bit over the past month or so. I think it's interesting they had a heavy safe on the second floor. Can you imagine getting that up there? I don't even know how that happened. Yeah. So other highlights on Red Emma's or should we talk about some of the other places we visited that day? So I will just say, you know, well, Red Emma's 
does have a strong political leaning, mm-hmm. and they have a lot of books tied to that. It's not just about that, though. They have they have other things. Yeah, they have things that anybody might walk in and buy. Say. Right, and they have a blend of new and used books. Yes. But what struck me was that it was a cooperative. I love that. Right, so my first job in Westminster was working at the Westminster Co-op. Oh, yeah. So there's a little soft spot in my heart sure. when I see Co-op, and I think, you know, a bunch of people are in it together owning a bookstore. How cool is that? That's very cool. So I don't know if we've mentioned that they are also a um, coffee house. They have, uh, yes, they've got a small, well, actually, I shouldn't say it's small. It's as large as the bookstore, Mm -hmm. I think. There's a separate section that is attached and it's all part of the same space. Separate floor. But they've got um, the, uh, they had a small menu. Everything is vegan. Coffees, teas, biscotti, sandwiches, uh, nice selection of just light fare items. So when we got there, the bookstore was not open yet. And we were able to sit in the cafe and have a little snack before we went on to the bookstore. So that's worth mentioning. If you're looking for a space, a place to go that not only has interesting books and great atmosphere, but also a place to get a little munch in, that is um, a good location. And you could easily go into the food part and not even even notice that there's a book part. Yes. So uh, then we went to Normal Books and Records, mm-hmm. and um, a long-time Baltimore store, but this came up when we did our interview with John Waters. Yes. Uh, and there is an episode, if, you're, if you have not heard it and you want to hear us talking with John Waters, you can go check out that episode. Uh, but um, we talked to him at one point about bookstores in Baltimore, and two that he mentioned were Atomic Books and Normal Books and Records. Uh, We did not get to Atomic. That could still happen, but it didn't happen that day. Uh, We went to to Normal, and uh, a different sort of place than uh, Red Emma's. A lot of used books. I'm trying to remember, they they do have some new, or is yeah. it all used? Okay. It's all, all, all used. used, yes. And I actually bought a book there, uh, a book I read years ago called Operation Drumbeat. It was about Nazi U-boats operating off the Atlantic coast in World War II. And I haven't, I haven't done it yet, but I actually bought it to give to somebody who likes to read about World War II, and I thought maybe... One that he might not have seen before. Uh, it's one of those used bookstores where there's lots of rooms and little aisles and passages, and mm-hmm. you can go wind your way back and lose yourself in places. It smells like books. It, smells it does like smell books, like books. Yeah. Yes, used books. Yeah, which yeah. is a different smell it's than books. Smell. Yes. So what? What? Did you guys bring back from, I mean, not, not buying necessarily, but yeah. what, what ideas, memories did you bring back? A couple things for me, um, starting with the, the John Waters part, which I just looked it up real quick. It was episode 22. 
is our interview with John Waters. And just to put that in perspective, this tonight probably ends up being 45. So it's quite some time ago. So if you're a new listener, you have to backtrack a little bit um, wherever you listen, if it's Spotify or Google Play or Apple Podcasts. Um, it's episode 22. You can dig back a little bit. And there are a lot of good ones in between there. So check those out. But uh, it certainly is a highlight of our first year that we got the opportunity to talk to John Waters. And he's a very interesting guy. Very. And so when I walked into the store, that is what was on my mind. You know, can I picture him in here? Wouldn't it be amazing if he just so happened to be there while we were there? And the layout of the store is very much like a... Um, a treasure. It, it's got a lot of looks and crannies, a lot of twists and turns, a lot of little small spaces. So you could very easily be in a obscure little back corner area and come around and, and be John Waters in front of you. I could almost see that happening. So I like the vibe of the store because it, it has that kind of a feel. You feel like you're in somebody's I don't know, basement, but that it's got almost like a corn maze feel to it, <laughs> that you just so many little twists and turns and interesting places to find things. And one other thing for me, uh, we haven't mentioned yet that my son was along with us on this trip. And he is not a big person like I am, but he is a vinyl record person. And the store had a large collection of records. So I was not only looking at books, but I was also trying to help him in his search for, uh, for vinyl. So another highlight of that store. Did you leave with any books from there? I did. I did. I, I have not read them yet, but I, I got two books and actually one, uh, one, oh, one uh, vinyl record. I got The Tribe of the Tiger and then another book that was, which is about house cats. Nice. And The Birds of Heaven, which is by Peter Matheson, and that is about cranes. Mm. Peter Matheson, I, I know that name. Yeah, he has written a lot of wildlife nonfiction. Yeah, so I have not cracked either of those yet. I'm looking forward to doing that. And then I got some Bruce Springsteen on vinyl. So that was a lot of fun. The boss. And a little side thing at some point i went outside and i was just looking around the immediate mm -hmm. neighborhood and across the street yes. there was a building that had been a bookstore at one time mm -hmm. i looked it up online and i don't think i found a lot of information but i found a name and that that there there was a bookstore and i'm trying to remember now i think i pointed it out you to did. you you know maybe you could still see where the letters had been or something like that. I took a picture. There was a big tree in front of it. I don't think the picture was easy to, to see, but, and also years had done what years do to buildings. So it was not easy to identify, but it, that did get me thinking about how times have changed, you know, that there was a time where a small town and Baltimore is not small by any means, but in a small area, you may have multiple bookstores and a very, you know, a tiny geography. And that's not common anymore. Um, however, I do think there is a change that has been occurring. It seems like in the last couple of years since COVID, there's, there's a resurgence of independent bookstores. They're opening up, they're staying around. Quite a few left during the COVID years too, but it's nice to see that happening. Baltimore is a 
big city. There are lots of bookstores. Um, we'll definitely need to go back to do a thorough tour of Baltimore. But it was neat to think about the history and what it might have been like, how many there might have been in a different time. And Red Emma's and Normal are pretty close to each other. I'm trying to remember, did we walk from one to the other? We walked. Yeah, yes. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, we did. Then we left Normal Books and we did drive into Fells Point to Greedy Reads. Mm -hmm. And there are two Greedy Reads, one yes. at Fells Point and the other is where? Um, we might have to look that up. Keep talking. Okay. Um, a pretty small store. I mean, not tiny, but, you know, not a place that you wander all around. But uh, I thought it very a very nice selection of, of books. You know, it's one thing you, you walk into some bookstores and what they have is very predictable. I think I look back to this and say they had things that kind of surprised me. I felt like they had books you wanted to buy and it felt curated. You know, it, yes. it was curated. But it, it also felt like, you know, well, this could be someone's house almost yes. a little. And we did talk with the owner there. Julie, uh, I think. Yes, mm -hmm. I think you're right. And, you know, we kind of set up the possibility of doing something with her sometime. Yes. That, that hasn't moved on anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's actually one of a list of stores where we've talked to people and said, we'd like to do something with you. So, yeah, I don't know when that's going to happen. And she had a shop dog who was just oh, adorable. Yeah. I really liked him. He was behind the counter with her and he had his little bed and he was just happy as could be laying there um, with everything that was going on in the store. Yeah. And I, actually, I remember I had seen the dog. Yes. And I, I said to you, did you see the dog down there? And you hadn't I seen, hadn't it, seen it yet. Point. I hadn't gotten that far. I was buried in books. Um, it was one of those stores with this has come up on the show before about, you know, what kind of store do you like? You know, what makes a good bookstore? Everybody defines that differently. But it's interesting things that matter to me. I mean, obviously, what books they have is pretty important. But the building you said about it looked like it could be someone's home. So it's right on the corner. And so it had a lot of natural light. And, and that the, and the entrance is actually a corner. At entrance. the corner, yeah. So it just gave it character and charm. And um, the natural light was fantastic, which always makes a book look even more beautiful when it's got natural light coming in. There was some stained glass too, which I happen to be a fan of. That was up in one of the corners that I saw. Um, and then of course having a shop dog, I'm I'm done. I just want to live in here. <laughs> so it had a really good feel to it. It is fascinating because we picked three different bookstores yes. to visit in Baltimore. They were all completely, completely different. Completely different. Completely mm different. -hmm. And I bought a book at Greedy Reads, too. Yes. It was, I, I'm not going to remember the name, but something like um, Should We Protect Bookstores and Why? Or mm. something like, like that. Mm -hmm. It was talk, talking about and I, I've I've read some of it. I haven't I haven't read the book yet, but I've been reading a, a little bit of it. But talking about you know kind of why independent bookstores are in, important and why we should choose to do something to make them stay around. Uh, also, a kind of political sort sort of book. Yeah, there there's definitely some strong philosophy in the guy that that wrote this. But you know, some pretty interesting ideas. 
So I did look up the other location. It is in Baltimore, but just a different neighborhood or area called Remington. Yes. That was the other one. Um, and I've been following them on social media since we visited. I tend to do that for the stores that we've been to. And they just recently had a big author event. And I don't know the details, but I think that might have been the Remington store because it looked very different, a lot bigger than the one that we were in. Um, and I think if it was Julie or Julia, the owner, mentioned that is that she still comes to the Bell's Point store because it was the original. It's a flagship. It's the, exactly. She's like, I, this is where I, I like to be. Yeah, and it sounded like she had, you know, family might be too strong, but, you know, kind of a regular yes. community Locals. of people who came to that, yes. that store. Mm -hmm. That's what makes a bookstore survive. You have to have that um, devoted following of people that come shop with you. And um, you said, you know, the two sides family, which Lisa is most certainly part of. I think it's the same thing with bookstores. It's a community center, just like libraries are. And uh, the people who are coming to visit you, you know, yes, you can buy a book on Amazon, but you don't get the same experience. You're not getting that interaction that oh, that I've got a book today that you're really going to like. They get to know you. They get to know what you are interested in, and they can get the books that you need and probably recommend something that you're going to love that you're not going to get that experience from Amazon. Yeah, this isn't the first time we've run into this. You know, independent stores, bookstores, and big big chains are different, but even among independents, there, there are differences. And you know, we've run into some where it's very clear you know, the people running the store have people who shop there that, that they know, not just recognize, but they know. Yes. It was um, the one store I was in, in down when I went to North Carolina. I think it was um, Sassafras. Well, there were two, on, on Maine or on Sutton, one or the other. I think it was on Sutton. It was the one where they, um, they had uh, the root... Uh, the roof broke through and she was selling books out of her, the trunk of her car. And she was having people come to the store when they weren't supposed to be open at, at, at all. You know, it was a very, very, um, critical I'm, I'm taking care. It was still a critical service. Yeah. Yes. So I looking up really quickly about that episode, we had two that were devoted to your North Carolina trip. We called it Ted's Excellent Adventure, part one and part two. And I'm trying to see, yeah, okay, so part two, which was episode 38, is the one in which you talked about your trip to Sassafras, both Sutton and Maine. So if anybody's looking to, um, you know, recap some of our previous episodes, that was episode 38. Yeah, the, the two sassafrases are, are connected. One is in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and one is in Waynesville, North Carolina, both in the Asheville area. We've covered a lot today. We've been to D.C., we've been to Baltimore. You're reflecting on North Carolina, and all of that has happened within the last couple of months, right? When was your trip to Asheville? Was that September 2? I don't know. Right? So <laughs> National Book Festival was August. Our was trip... August. To Baltimore was okay. September, and then your trip to Asheville, I think, was late in September. And now we're at the end of October already. Um, lots of big things coming up. I'm wondering if we had, before we switch to next events, um, you've written on your notes for tonight about 
returned to Baltimore. Did you have something to say about that? If we go back, yeah. Well, like you said, there there are more stores. We yeah. got to three, but we didn't we didn't cover the the, the city. You know, is there another trip in our future? Um, yeah, we just cracked open the cover. Yeah, really barely got there, and we didn't have the entire day available to stay. And if we had more time, I know we would have gone to more. But it definitely warrants another trip. We just have to sort of plan out which ones we would go to. Okay, now, this is not about Lisa. But it is did. all about Lisa. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's all about Lisa. This is the Lisa show. <laughs> it's all about Lisa. But sometimes things happen where Lisa's not there. Um, so embarrassing. <laughs> you going to ask me about New Jersey? Hey, at least we're not talking about my hair, Lisa. It's always a topic. It's nice to have someone else in the room that we can make the spotlight instead of me. Yes. So when you when we talked tonight about what we wanted to talk about with Lisa tonight and reflecting on the book festival, that the national book festival, but you've been to several others recently. You did a whirlwind tour of I don't even know what where all you went. You just gave a title to it at the beginning when we were talking before we hit record. Three festivals, you say, because I'm going to get it wrong. I went to three book festivals three bookstores, and two libraries in New Jersey. In one day, in or one did day. you stay overnight nope. and drive back? It was all in one day. Um, just, it worked out that there were all the, these festivals happening on the same day. And there was actually another one the same day in Hershey, Pennsylvania, oh, but yeah. I wasn't able to, to, get there. to make that work. Mm -hmm. But I went to um, Collingswood, New Jersey, Morristown, and Collingswood is near Philadelphia. Okay. Went to Morristown, which is getting pretty close to New York City. Wow. And then to Princeton, New Jersey. So I went to the Collingswood Book Festival. Uh, trying to remember now if that... Was is that where you saw Tim Young? I, I did. Yeah. It was, it was Collingswood. There was an element that was children's, but it wasn't all children's. Okay. Uh, but another two-sides friend, Tim Tim Young... Uh, author illustrator of 15 uh, children's picture books. He just posted something 15 in 15 years. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, I think we talked about this somewhere. I, I, I went to Easton, Maryland, where he was talking about his yes. 15 books and how he, how he got there. Yeah, I don't think we've had an episode on that or briefly mentioned it. And I went to Morristown. And also had a children's book element that wasn't just about children's books. And then I went to Princeton, which was a children's book festival. Uh, I, and I stopped at the Bookworm Bookstore. And, geez, what was the name of the place in Princeton? We're not going to be able to help you. You were on your own that day. Yeah. Drawing blank on on a name, and and there's actually a third bookstore. I'm gonna have to figure out what the third bookstore was. It was a whirlwind. Yes. It, I mean, when you set it up, it was like four weddings and a funeral. Yes, right. exactly. I'd like his title for that. Yeah, reference. but there's no there's no funeral. No funeral. In this trip. Right. No. Yeah. And Thank I went goodness. to the Morristown Township and County Public Library, free public library, something like that. And I also went to the uh, the public library in. In Princeton, uh, 
So I was doing a lot of moving, not very much talking to people. I talked to Tim Young for a little bit. And I talked to the owners of the, the bookworm for a little bit. Now, Princeton, there were two writers there that I would have liked to talk to. Um, Kate De, DeMillo mm -hmm. was, was there. The, it's called The Tale of Despero or something yeah, close lots, to that. Lots of, but she's written a lot of yeah, books. Yeah, lots of award-winning books. And Wonderful. the other one, I'm not going to remember his name now, but he wrote among other books, a one called, uh, I think, The Wild Robot. It was a Battle of the Books book. Oh, yes. I remember seeing also that. Also an award-winning book. I loved yeah. the look of it. Peter. Is his name Peter something? Pete Brown. Yep. Uh, um, but both of them, I was there. I got there just in time before the closing time. And both of them had lines of kids waiting to talk to them. So, so I, cool. I wasn't going to get an opportunity to... Yeah. To get in there, but can't rob the kids. Yeah, I I, I would have liked to to do that if I if I could. So I drove almost 500 miles <laughs> to to do all the, all these things. So um, like some of the other things we've done, where we've gone somewhere and talked for a while to somebody that yeah. that wasn't happening. Yeah, but I got got to see a lot. So I looked back at the episodes that talk about other festivals just if people are trying to you know decide where to go on shows if you're new to listening to the show we did one it, uh, episode 28 was called two sides road show and that included our trip to the cecil county children's book festival and then the other was episode 30 not long after which was tours on the eastern shore of maryland which is when we first um well, no, we saw Tim Young actually at Cecil County, mm -hmm. but then his book festival that he helps the library put together in Talbot County was episode 30. So there's a couple of book festivals um, to be on the lookout for, for for next year. Lisa, have you been? To I went with the Cecil. I yeah, was with I, was, I was actually going to ask you if there were others that you've been to that you really like. If we're making a list for viewers of book festivals to check out. Any others come to mind for you? Well, there are a lot of festivals that, that have been that changed since COVID. Some have come sure. back, some haven't. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think you just need to, to uh, look look up what's interesting in your area and, and be prepared. There are many. Yeah, so episode 30, where we went to the Chesapeake Children's Book Festival in Eastern Maryland, was probably one of Lori's favorite moments in the things that we've done here when we were in the Eastern Library's Maryland room looking at cemetery records. Yes, that's true. Yes, the search for Henry Clay. So we might have a funeral on that episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, he was gone. He had been gone for many, many years. And I was talking to you a little bit before we started recording about my Eastern Shore years. And the house that I was doing a renovation on was owned by a gentleman named Henry Clay. Mm -hmm. And the search for him was not easy. And we never did find him. And we were looking for him in, you know, graveyards. So he was, yes, yeah, so we do have a funeral here. And we were trying to find his records in the Maryland room. And we, How did you become fascinated in him of, out of all the people who had lived there? Uh, it was because his house was the house that we were working on and restoring. Okay. So we wanted to know more about him. He was the original the occupant. He was the, is that right? Was he... I believe he was the original occupant, yes. So just cool to, so we, cool to do the search. We kind of um, got 
got together with the Maryland Room Librarian. Yes. Becky. Becky was her name, yes. And uh, she helped us look. Had a very interesting conversation about all the resources they have there. Yes. But, but then when it got to, we've got feet of books mm -hmm. with cemetery records from Eastern Shore counties. And you know, Lori's like, wait a second. My eyes got big. I'm <laughs> like, so do you, are you telling me that we might be able to, she's like, let's look. So yeah, it was, it was fun. Even though we didn't have success, it was, it was neat to have just like when you go good book hunting, right? It's searching for the treasure, especially if you're going to a bookstore that's got a, a different kind of selection or if it has a used book collection because then you can really you're not going in with something in mind you're just going in and see what grabs you it's similar with libraries because I had no idea a year ago all of the things that libraries had to offer besides just checking out a book you know and uh we, we could do a whole episode on that for sure of all the library services beyond just the written, printed book. And this has come up before, but a really good one is the uh, Pack Memorial Library in Asheville. Mm. They have a they, they have a seed lending <laughs> arrangement. Yes, you mentioned yeah. that on the episode. You, you borrow seeds, mm -hmm. you plant things, you get seeds, and you bring them back to the library. Yeah. yeah, And that's very interesting, too, because I've learned a little bit about various seed libraries in different states, and there's all sorts of local regulations hmm. with those. Oh, wow. um, so some of them, you, you can take seeds, but you can't bring any back, you know, because they, they have to be vetted. They ah. have to be a certain, you know, certain quality assurance there. Yeah. No um, certain protections, plants. right. Um, don't want to spread any diseases. You know, they have various uh, controls put in place there. So so that's very interesting. Too. Yes. Hey, so I interrupted you. Do you remember where you were going? Yeah, I was only going to say about the Maryland room. That, for me, that is not something I was familiar with, didn't realize it was available. And I would imagine, you know, some listeners haven't heard of that either. That if you knew that you could do this genealogical research for your local area, and it just opens it up to there are so many things that a library can offer you. Um, in addition to, of course, amazing books. Right. We have uh, extensive genealogical resources upstairs here. We have a wonderful partnership with our Carroll County Genealogical Society. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, special friend of two sides to the story, Lisa, <laughs> any, anything you want to say about the podcast or our first year or your experiences with us? I think it's been an exciting journey so far. I can't wait to see where season two takes us. Um, as a bit of an insider, I've, I've heard a little bit of where you might be going, um, but I think it's really exciting. And I'm just, I'm really chuffed really to, to hear that this is episode 45. Yeah. You know, you guys have come a long way and you should be very proud of everything you've done that you have been able to learn how how to do all this on your own that you have the momentum and, and the passion that keeps you going forward and keeps you um, providing this to our community definitely not on our own uh, we have brought this up many many times that we had no clue about a lot of this the technical side of this it would have happened without the library staff the exploration common staff we even have one of the staff members here on an episode called The Joe Show, and you refer to him as our tech angel, that we would not be able to 
send this your way without him helping us for at least the first 10 or 12 episodes. <laughs> We've gotten a little better, but we still call upon him um, on occasion. We have had a little bit of a trade there, though. Joe was our tech angel, but we also um, started Joe on a little bit of a read reading journey. Have you asked him lately what he is reading? I haven't. Because I know that's often your question to him is, yes, young man, are you still reading books? <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. <laughs> So Lisa mentioned um, season two, and that is something that I think we want to maybe wrap this up with after one more thing. The Joe show is episode 21. So that is a fun one to listen to if, if you'd like to learn how he saved our lives many times in trying to put the show together. Um, and the season two kickoff is right around the corner. Um, it's less than two weeks away. So depending how quickly you listen to shows, you may still have an opportunity to register for a spot to join us. It is going to be at Exploration Commons. It is on 11-7, not 7-11, 11-7. Um, at six in the evening, uh, you can register for the event. It is a free event happening at Exploration Commons. You just need to save your spots on the Carroll County Public Library website. We will put a link in the show notes. And I was just thinking this list of show notes is going to be extensive because we have bookstores, festivals, a lot of books have been talked about. So um, this one's going to be a long one to build out all the references we made. I just won't episode. sleep tonight. No sleeping. Yeah. Sleep's overrated. <laughs> Well, Lisa, thank you very much for joining us. I can't believe we got to episode 45 without having you on the show, but you are involved in many of them, not on the microphone, but in so many ways. And I, I don't know how season one would have happened without you. And I'm so grateful to you. Oh, that's so sweet. You can make me cry. No crying, no crying, no sleeping. There's no crying in podcasts. <laughs> All right, Ted, you have anything else? Nope, I think we're done. Okay. So for those of you listening, thank you for listening and enjoy your reading.